Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, we take a very deep look at the situation going on in Twitch. Some current things in testing raise some serious concerns. China shutting down power, thus worsening the chip shortage. Tesla seeming to just just be Tesla. And the real reason to use Bing. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, you're today. I'm going to write this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Woo! What a... What a week. <laughs> That's like all I can say about this. It wasn't even... It wasn't even like we expect a whole bunch of news. There was just a lot that happened this week. And we're going to end up starting it with the fact that China... I can only just assume that this is just them sending a malicious message to the rest of the world. That's like the only way I can look at this. But I am going to go ahead and report on this story non-biasly and then call a duck a duck afterwards. All right. So bear with me. China is the world's largest consumer of energy as well as the largest emitter of carbon dioxide in a purported bid to limit energy ca- I'm sorry that a purported bid to limit energy carrier price surges and reduce its emissions the Chinese government has temporarily shut down power to several major manufacturing hubs the country also intends to temporarily suspend in- industrial electricity supplies on a scheduled basis moving forward such crackdowns will inevitably affect the global electronic supply chain as well as companies like apple intel nvidia qualcomm and tesla but some companies have been more severely affected than than others the best part about this is that these power cuts are also affecting their homes as well Now, before you start immediately going, well, they're just trying to help to save the planet. We have been trying to get China to cut back on their emissions for almost a decade. For almost an entire decade, there has been pressure from the entire world on China to do this. And what have they done? They have literally flipped off the world. The freaking world and just said, nah, fam, we ain't doing that ever. So why now? Why do this? And why do it to their manufacturing hubs? You know, the one thing that China is the strongest in. To flip off the rest of the world. That is the only way I could look at this. Is to tell everyone like, hey, you know. You're trying to go ahead and tell us how we should run our co- run our country. We run it however we want. 
And just to remind you, we could hurt the rest of you way more than, the re- than you can hurt us. That's the, that's the message here. How else can you look at it? Now, someone in the chat has said China has fixed power price for consumers. Power companies are being asked to sell at a loss. I could believe that. I could totally see the CCP doing that. Which, of course, energy prices are going up because every, the cost of everything is going up. And China is trying to punish Australia by not buying stuff like coal. Which, you can see that. But at the same time, to go ahead and specifically hit their manufacturing lines, to specifically target that industry, where everyone is hurting the most right now, there's lots of shortages everywhere. But a lot of them are because of logistical reasons. A lot of the shortages are just from the logistics side of things, not being able to transport the goods from one area to another so that manufacturing can proceed to keep going. And those, for the, for the most part, the primary reason is being labor. There has been a trucker shortage here in the U.S. for a long, long time. And unfortunately, for the longest, longest time, the trucking industry here in the U.S. has been pushed to its limits. To the point where, you know, legally, truckers cannot drive more than, oh God, I can't believe I'm blanking on this number. I want to say, I, and the trucker friends I have are going to shoot me because I don't know this off the top of my head because I haven't needed to know this off the top of my head for a while. I want to say 70 hours in an eight-day week, which sounds bizarre, but that's the way it's written. Don't worry about it. They're required to take a, a, a day off and that sort of thing for obvious reasons and whatnot, but they have been pushed to their limits. Like to the point where they're only allowed to drive 11 hours a week. It is considered rare that they drive even minutes under that 11 hour limit. And unfortunately, within the trucking community, there is a bit of pride in being able to hit those limits, which isn't helping the situation at all. So, of course, you have that. Fewer people wanting to get into it when you, see, when you hear stuff like that. And then, of course, you know, a lot of other trucking companies just trying to get whatever scrubs they can, making the trucking industry even more dangerous, looking at you, Swift, is not helping at all. But then to top all of that, shipyards and distribution centers are also understaffed to even load these trucks. So the fuel truckers that are out there are also having the problem of not being able to load the trucks to even get them going. Thus creating a lot of the shortages. Silicon chips, on the other hand, their shortage is just in the fact that the manufacturers cannot produce enough. 
They have a problem in the fact that they cannot produce enough chips, components for these electronics faster than they even load them. So for China to specifically target a lot of these semiconductor facilities to tell them to stop. To go ahead and say, you're not producing, you're not going to get power. Is hurting what's already a very, very hurting section of the supply chain. It is hard for me to look at this other than sending a message. And I could be wrong. It could be there's a bigger issue right now. There actually could be a problem with China being able to supply power to their entire country. That could very well be the actual issue, that there is no... That, that that there is no actual calculated plan here. That it is just China actually struggling internally. Someone in the chat says a lot of trucks nowadays carry up to 70, 70% of warehouse storage and only 30% of stuff that actually needs to be delivered. Um... Uh, that that could be and i know that particular person is outside the united states i know in the united states um for the most part that isn't the case but also here in the united states one thing we have a premium of is extra square footage because we are a massive country and a lot of these distribution centers and a lot of truck stops it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a lot of those places and the way a lot of truckers at least here in the states and that's the only place I can really speak to is here in the states because I'm actually familiar with the logistical nature of that here is that what a lot of truckers will do is that they'll pick up a trailer they'll take it from one distribution center to another and then leave the trailer there for the short staff to go and unload at their pace while he goes grabs a new trailer to go take to a new spot. That actually is very common. I can't speak for the rest of the world. I do know that a lot of ports have uh, some massive, massive backups as far as uh, ships wanting to get their shipping containers off, but the ports are so understaffed they can't. So, I mean... That exact same thing of saying, you know, tr- trucks are being used as warehouses. Well, these boats are being used as warehouses right now, too. We're d- there, there's the next level in talking about logistics. Use the ocean as your warehouse. Just don't actually, like, dump it into the ocean. That's littering. Although, real talk, I hope none of those uh, ships out there start running to, like, 
problems running themselves. The last thing you're going to want is like some of those cargo ships like dead in the water because they've run out of fuel after waiting so long. Concerns also regarding the chip shortage are now moving onwards towards components like capacitors as well. According to Digitime, Chemicon, Nichicon, and Rubicon are responsible for 50% of the capacitor market worldwide. And currently, most of their factories are located in Malaysia and India. And I mean, India. Indonesia, which have been on lockdown in August and July, thanks to the virus TM, which is starting to spread, which new variants of the virus TM are starting to spread more and more in those areas and are promptly locking down. Thus, basically, if you are really hoping for GPU prices to get down to a sane level, no, <laughs> just no. It's, it's not happening anytime soon. And I can't even begin to tell you how much I hate this. I especially hate it right now just because while evaluating my own streaming setup, I am hitting some serious CPU bottlenecks. So I was in the middle of actually planning to finally build a Ryzen-based system to replace my old HP workstation. <sighs> but it's looking more and more like not just the price of GPUs, but if this report from DigiTimes is correct, this is going to affect the production of motherboards, the production of power supplies, the production of basically every component except for the bloody steel box the computer sits in. <laughs> Someone in chat sa says, just buy a pre-built, then you, then you can get it with a GPU. Honestly, for most people, and this really tells you just how bat squeak insane these times are, Buying it pre-built is not the worst idea in the world. Just, I would do your research and make sure who you're buying your pre-built from. Gamers Nexus has actually, hey, look, actually someone in the chat just mentioned that. Gamers Nexus has actually been doing some really, really good uh, looks into a, a lot of the, um, the big name pre-builts. While we're on the topic of pre-builds, though, what the heck happened to Alienware? Like, what the heck? Like, Alienware wasn't all that good to begin with, let's, let's be honest, but then Dell bought them. Then their quality started to go up, and then dip occasionally, but then just keep going up. Now it's just garbage in a plastic shell. <laughs> Someone in chat mentioned the Walmart pre-built. Dude, compared to like the freaking um, Dell or the Alienware Auroras, the, the Dell 
gaming pre-built and the HP gaming pre-built? The Walmart pre-built looks like a bargain! And then they have, then they have the audacity, the complete and utter audacity to charge the prices they do on those things. It's like first they kick you and pick a sensitive spot on you by presenting you with this subpar, unrepairable, non-standard, complete BS of a system, throw on an aluminum can and call it a cooler. Like that already is an insult to you and then they show you the price of it. It's like they went out of their way to insult you twice. And the fact that one of the times they insulted you was before you even saw the price tag is actually impressive. The worst part is the Walmart pre-built, as much flack as the Walmart pre-built got, which I think is gone now, you can save the Walmart pre-built. Replace the power supply. You have now fixed the biggest problem with the Walmart pre-built. There is no fixing the Dell, Alienware, or HP pre-built. Actually, I take that back. I think the Alienware one, I want to say the, the, um, the connectors on the board were... No, I take that back. The... Um, the CPU power, uh, the CPU power in what was non-standard. Never mind. There's no fixing that one either. I would honestly look at uh, some other pre-built companies. Like um, one I've actually been keeping an eye on closely is a little independent operation called uh, Power GPU. They've actually been been a, been a little startup that uh, they kind of start. They opened up before. Frick, I'm getting distracted by by uh, some nonsense on Twitter over here as I'm trying to find them. They started up like a year before the pandemic, and they have just been going nuts. Like they picked the best time to open up, and they're basically just they have access to the kind of parts you'd want as a home built operator. But they're able to get the get the parts, unlike you as a home built operator. They also go through through the extra effort of going, oh hey, we found out this NZXT pump has early failures, so uh, we're not going to use those anymore. Did I want an LCD screen? I mean, you could, but you don't want this one. It's it's awful. It's going to shave off two hours of your life of the PC. Then of course there's other ones that are more more notorious like um what was the one that Corsair just bought? Origin, Origin PC. There's always Origin PCs, those always carry a bit of a premium. Um I would say NZXT, but they've been kind of sketch lately. I don't know if I would trust NZXT anymore or not. But yeah, the main pre-builds, 
have just been nowhere close to the same quality. Like, by comparison here, I actually, my streaming setup is two commercial grade HP pre-builds. They're HP Z440s. Internally, these suckers are fantastic with the exception that the power supply is non-standard. The screw layout is wonky, but otherwise everything inside there is just great. But for whatever reason, HP, Dell, Lenovo, they just seem to have fallen backwards. And even their good lines, the Dell Precisions, the HP Z series, the Lenovo ThinkPads and ThinkStations. Instead of trying to improve themselves, they're just sticking to like older designs. And just not letting any innovation happen. I would love to see a freaking Dell Precision Threadripper system. That would be amazing. Seeing the Dell Precision line, great top tier board, freaking 32 cores on, on their CPU. Hot swap front bays, easy, quick repairability. Yeah, inevitably it'd be non-standard parts because that's what Dell Precision does. But those suckers just last forever. But we don't see that anymore. That's just stuck in the past with generation old Xeons in there. And then your consumer stuff, the stuff that's actually affordable, is just a dumpster fire waiting to happen. With that said, let's rip on Tesla. I have no good transition. Let's just go go ahead and just rip rip on Tesla. Tesla is begging their users to please share fewer clips of their self-driving beta mistakes. You want a sign that your current project is not doing well? You ask your users to please stop showing your 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 car messing up. Already Tesla is under the eye of Oh god, I forgot the actual acronym of uh the the National Transit Safety whatever the heck it is. Oh, here it is. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They have been looking into Tesla's autopilot for a while now. And also now looking at the beta version, the full self-driving software, which by the way, you had to pay thousands of dollars for this software update that, oh, hey, by the way,
wasn't even working. Like, this is the part that actually, like, drives me nuts about electric vehicle companies. They make you pay an extensive premium for a promise later on that may or may not actually happen. Like, easily, that is the part that drives me the most insane. Like, let's say you want to go ahead and pick up a Model 3. You have to pay an additional $10,000 to beta test. Let that sink in. To beta test the full self-driving feature. In fact, I shouldn't even call it a beta test because not even Tesla calls it a beta test. They just call it a test. (sighs) But hey, you know, why not? Let's go ahead and just have users sign an NDA to, uh, not record footage about Tesla's mistakes. Like more and more, Tesla is just being looked at as, uh, like their reputation is very quickly going downhill. And the only thing saving them right now is the fact that Tesla, like basically, if you're a Tesla fanboy, you might as well just be in a cult. Because that is the level of dedication you need to Tesla to ignore a lot of the problems that Tesla has. And I've gone over this in past episodes of Eagle Eyes on Tech. The fact that Tesla does away with the, with the standard placement of the gauge cluster. You know, the thing that you're used to since 19 always. It's just not there on newer Tesla vehicles. Or if you do pay the premium to have a gauge cluster so that you can see your speed in the place you're used to, you lose your turn signal stock. You lose your your standard placement for the horn. You lose your gear shift selector. Instead, it's all done with textureless capacitive buttons. Yeah, that's not a safety concern at all, but don't worry. The whole vehicle will be self-driving eventually, TM. But in the meantime... It is just a massive safety hazard waiting to happen. But Tesla's number one on safety, by the way. (sighs) Oh, yeah. How could I forget? The latest Model S that does away with your turn signal stocks and all that. You lose half your steering wheel because, you know, a yoke is cooler than a wheel. Despite the fact we have not increased the sensitivity of the wheel, which is what you normally do on a yoke. But it's okay, because as a Tesla fanboy, you just get used to it. It's the future. The future also involves your autopilot slamming straight into a police car, despite the fact that it has flashing lights going. Tesla has been sued by five police officers who were injured when a Tesla Model X in autopilot mode crashed into a police vehicle that were that was stopped and had their lights flash 
had their flashing lights turned on. Now, my first instinct on this would be the police officers, of course, should go instead look at the driver who wasn't paying attention and didn't take, take control of the vehicle because autopilot isn't autopilot. It's adaptive cruise control. But at the same time, adaptive cruise control should have detected the fact they were parked vehicles and stopped. And then on top of that, there is the fact that your adaptive cruise control is also called autopilot, even though it is not autopilot. So yeah, have fun with that one. Just more and more, you look at Tesla and the way they operate, and they just feel more and more and more sketch. But you know, at least they put up a blog post judging your safety score as a beta tester that you paid $10,000 for in order to get in. And that's another funny one I want to point out. Most places, what they'll do is that they will pay their testers. It is usually a job position to have testers and pay them to test their stuff. Oh, and as I'm talking about this right now, a ping from the Lewis Rossman channel um, talks about uh, Tesla autopilot killing a deer. Bravo! Bravo! Good job! Totally safe, by the way. Despite the fact that forward collision, despite the fact that there's forward collision warnings up to a thousand miles, and all that jazz in your autopilot, it's supposed to be safer than a human driver who would, in fact, hit the deer consistently, or not consistently, but I mean, I mean, a car hitting a deer is not all that uncommon, especially in, especially here in Wisconsin. But the fact that Tesla wants to continue saying that drivers, that the human element of drivers are dangerous, but time and time and time again, their own software that's ready for public testing, I might add, does stuff like hit a deer despite the fact they have radar indicators to detect that sort of thing and have hard braking, aggressive turning, and forward collision warnings up to every thousand miles. Wait, 
Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh, the sort and all these sort of features. But you still hit a parked police car. You still hit a deer. Someone in chat asked, don't Teslas only have optical sensors? I believe they do not. They have optical sensors. There are, there are also a number of, I forgot the exact name of the technology, but it's basically like small radars. It's what's used. Like when you go ahead, like, um, proximity sensors. They have those all throughout the all throughout the vehicle. They're also used in their self-driving me- uh, methods. But it's not like a long-range radar or lidar or anything like that. No. No, I I misspoke when I when I said radar. No, no, no. There is no lidar. Now, one last story before we go, go, go to our first break. Let's talk about Rivian for a second. Early, early on, as people are coming out to try and go up against Tesla, one name that came up early was Rivian. Rivian came up and said, we're going to go ahead. We're going to have an electric pickup truck, an electric SUV that is not going to look like it was rendered on an N64. And we're going to have it out soon. I believe the first time they were they were saying they were going to have uh, vehicles out was, in fact, 2020. But, of course, that didn't happen. And they are saying they have vehicle production and deliveries beginning in September of 2021, and now they are trying to go public. So here's my problem with Rivian. Rivian wants to go public, all right? What are they selling? What can I go buy from Rivian right now and pick up and drive home today? Nothing. Right now, Rivian does not have a single product at all you can take home. I can go to their website right now and I can configure a vehicle for, by the way, way more than uh, anyone else, by the way. Oh, that blue looks ugly. 
Now that forest green's not too bad. But in the end, I mean, what is the cheapest vehicle I can make, make here for this pickup truck? Is it $69,000? Is literally the cheapest? No. Oh no, I'm sorry, because I picked Forest Green. I got to 69,000, nice. If I went gray or white, we could get it down to 67,500. And then, uh, -da 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 -da, if I go ahead and a three-person tent in your truck bed, get out of here. And I want to go ahead and get this up. I will go ahead and have this vehicle apparently never. It is just a refundable pre-order with no expected delivery date. By contrast, if I go to, say, Ford, which I spelled with an I for no reason... And go reserve a lightning. I am then asked to put in my credentials. <laughs> well, that demonstration backfired pretty quickly. But the point is, is that Ford is at least putting a expected delivery date. And here is probably the kicker about Rivian trying to go public right now. They have only just now given pre-production models to influencers to showcase. If you're in the tech YouTuber space, you would have noticed a flood of people trying out the Rivian r1t for the first time as they just finally got pre-production models out the ford lightning is supposed to hit april of 2022 so we got about six months and they're gonna hit and considering the fact that ford already has an electric vehicle out Oddly enough, a very uh, awkwardly designed one, but not terrible looking one. The Mach-E is in just such a weird spot. I'm just saying. It's, it's like a, it's like a freaking sports car and a crossover had a baby. It's very, very weird, but at the same time, it's not horrible like the Cybertruck. Speaking of the Cybertruck, what actually is Tesla's ETA on the Cybertruck now? 
If I go to the Cybertruck, they are expecting to deliver this awful looking monstrosity. Just, just 2022. We have a year. That's it. They used to have a season in 2022. Now that's gone. Yeah. It's kind of laughable right now in the electric truck market how there were so many companies like Rivian that want to come out. We're going to be the first. We're going to be the first. The pickup trucks, the bit, the the most popular sort of form factor for a vehicle in the entire United States. We're going to be the first. We're going to be the first. We're going to be the first. Where are they? Oh yeah, I should mention the um, the Ford Lightning, the F one fifty Lightning starts at. 40k literally two-thirds of the Rivian and granted that is on a stripped down kind of pro model sort of thing but it's still still very nice (sighs) but of course as I mentioned before the electric vehicles hitting the market isn't the big hurdle the big hurdle is the infrastructure to power them all because i hate to break it to you not many people have that much electricity running their garage and not that many people have the spare kind of cash to not only spend the premium for an electric vehicle but then spend the premium for a certified electrician to go ahead and run new lines and mount a hard charger to power that sort of thing. At least here in the United States. I actually should clarify in Europe where 220 volts is pretty standard. Here in the US, 110 is the standard. And 110 charging on a on an electric vehicle is... Uh, No, (laughs) it's just no. This actually is something I have legitimately thought about for myself. Just picking up like a a used Model S. Chat says 220 is is like heating. What what is the electrics? I thought thought everything was uh, 220. I, I legit don't don't know now. And I admit this is just something like, oh, I know the voltage over over across the pond is way different than what we use here in the States. And just charging an electric vehicle on 110, it's not happening. You'd go ahead, drive 40 miles, and you're going to get 10 of those back by the end of the day. The next time you got to drive. So with that, we're going to take a break here finally. It's 2.30.
230 volts is standard. Okay. 230 volts, 16 amp. You probably could very, very reliably charge charge an electric vehicle fairly easily that way. Here in here in Canada, one yeah, Canada has it uh, very is pretty close electrically to what we are here in the states, where one ten or one twenty is like a normal standard standard line. Two thirty or two forty is is normally for like larger appliances, like a dryer or electric heating, if you're using that sort that sort of thing. And that's the same thing here. You'd have to get like a what is referred to commonly as a dryer outlet TM, which is a 230, which is a 240 volt uh, or 220 out to the garage, or you're having an electrician run a hard line and a custom charger so that it draws exactly what you want, like a three phase charger out to the garage. But then, of course, here in the States, at least, we're only just now starting to see electric chargers start popping up in these fast DC chargers. But they are not communicating properly with the electric vehicles. That was something that actually uh, MKBHD found out quite a bit. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we have uh, some very, very fascinating stuff to talk about with blizzard and how literally no one wins as well as taking a deep dive into what the heck is going on with twitch Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. One of the lawsuits affecting Blizzard has come to a conclusion. And it is quite possibly the worst possible conclusion for everyone involved. Like, everyone wants to talk about right now about how this is a huge win for Blizzard. It's not. This is the worst possible outcome. For one, the public looks at this, does some very, very, very simple numbers games and thinks that it's, you know, nowhere near enough for it. The actual victims in all this don't actually see all that much, but at least see something. But most importantly, the settlement forces Activision Blizzard to run a lot of their operations through a federal governmental body. And that is quite possibly the worst possible thing that could have happened if you're Activision Blizzard and if you're an employee of Activision Blizzard because now you have introduced the arm 
of a governmental bureaucracy into your operations. So now not only do you have things being poorly managed by the by your own internal bureaucracy of a corporation with a I hope completely new HR department but now all of that has to be fed through the federal bureaucracy in addition to all of that if you are Activision Blizzard you hate this and the fact that you only have to go ahead and set aside 18 million to then be an additional expense on top of whatever else you have it is concerning now everyone wants to go ahead and say like oh well blizzard breaks in 8.1 billion so 18 million is not that that much for it yeah blizzard rakes in 8.1 billion gross There's still expenses, genius. I can only, I can't even imagine what the expense what the expense report of Blizzard looks like, but I know there's no way their net profits is 8.1 bill. There's no way. Large chunks of that gets reinvested into in, in, into not research and development, but just development, attempting to find new talent because they just fired a whole bunch of their own talent, paying their employees, paying their bills, paying their rent, paying their licensing agreements for this, that, and the other thing. Paying the license agreements for the music they actually use in their games. Subcontracting a whole bunch of work out to subcontractors for things like music. And so on and so forth and so forth. In addition to equipment that needs to be regularly updated. You get the idea. Am I saying that 18 million is enough? Probably not. It's hard to actually get a full grasp. Because just comparing 18 million to 8.1 billion. Is not look at the whole picture. And the problem is that we're never going to see the whole picture. We're not. It's just the facts. But for anyone trying to say, like, this is unfair, I think you're also forgetting there's three other cases! This just settles one. You have three more that have been opened up about this. This ain't done by a long shot. And like I said, the fact that now, as part of this agreement, is to get... I need to make sure I have the exact name of the the organization that has to go ahead and be the middleman in all this. I want to say it's the EEOC. That is by far the bit the bigger problem in the result of this is the fact that the that Activision Blizzard has to now include the federal bureaucracy in a lot of their own internal changes. 
and they're not done yet. So, one down, three to go. Have fun with that, Blizzard. In the meantime, Blizzard's own uh, game library is also looking pretty, pretty sad. The iPad Mini is having some issues with what's being referred to as jelly scrolling. Where one half of the screen, or basically what it almost, what it ends up looking like, what's been, the way it's been described and shown on camera. And I know that what a camera sees and what the human eye sees is radically different. But it looks like screen tearing. Where there's like a slight desync in one section of the screen to the other during fast motion. In the end, I'm willing to bet this is just going to be an issue solved, solved by software and blah, 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 blah. I am still waiting for Jerry Rig Everything to work on a durability test on this. I want to know if they've done anything to strengthen the weak points on this design at where the pen connects to the body and where the the side microphone is. All right, let's talk about Twitch. Twitch, um, they made some changes recently. So first off, Twitch announced earlier this week that they were going to go ahead and give more verification power to the streamers. Before, as far as making sure that people in your chat were using legitimate accounts, the only thing you could do as a streamer was click a box that said require verified emails. What's a verified email, you might ask? Well, a verified email, if you don't know, means that when you sign up, you have to give your email, and then they will send you an email with a link to click it to verify that the email you have given is a real email. It is a system that has existed in basically since the dawn of the internet. It is a security function that has existed on old school forums since 19 always. But here's the thing. If you knew where to click, you could very easily make an account and not verify the email and be able to talk in chats. It is highly suspected, although I was never able to confirm this, that the hate raid bots used this exact exploit to create thousands upon thousands upon thousands of accounts automatically using 
completely fictional emails. And that's the key. You could not in the past use one email for multiple accounts. However, it doesn't check this until the email has been verified. So if you use totally real email at fake.com and never verify it, you could make thousands of emails using that made up email. But the best part is that the switch saying required verified email is off by default. So by default, Twitch had worse, underline worse. Than old school forums. And all you had to do was check one box. Well, now that one box is now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 boxes. We have made the world better by turning one switch into 16. And basically all it did is just expand what you could do before. Now, instead of just having require email verification, you can have it say email verification off. Some chatters must have verified emails and then check it to whether it be first time chatters, chatters with a verified email must have their accounts hold within a certain amount of time and chatters without a verified email must, must be followed for more than a certain amount of time or just say all chatters, which is what it should have been in the first place. Like, this entire section should not exist. All chatters must have a verified email. That should just be the baseline, and there should never be an option to turn that off because there is never a good reason to say that there is no reason, that, that there is a reason to have a non-verified account unless you're up to malicious intent. Oh, well, I don't have an email. I could just use my phone. Fine. There's sex for vote interrogation as well. Same sort of issue, same sort of settings. You know what you could just say? Get rid of all of this and say, in order to chat on Twitch at all, period, you must have verified your account in some way, shape, or form, period. That's it! That's all you had to do. This entire section should not exist. It should not have existed when it was one switch and it should not exist now that it's 15 switches because what it should be is just have the exact same level of verification that we've had in forums since 2000 freaking one. Have verification, now you can talk. Fine, you can go ahead and do it through a phone. You could do it through an email. Whichever one you want, it's fine. We can be flexible. It's 2021. We can do that. But this whole thing just comes off as being dumb. But although Twitch announced that, there actually are some significant changes that have been made to Twitch in regards to actually fighting this kind of troll attack. But Twitch doesn't want to announce it at all. 
we actually discovered this when we did our testing when these when these settings were announced. So first off, the algorithm for checking to see if terrible names are used in account names has been updated. It is now much harder to make terrible, hateful names. That being said, as people on Twitter have pointed out, it's still possible to get past it. Yeah. Surprise. But that is updated. But here's by far the biggest change. If you ban an account, they are IP shadow banned. Any new account they make to try and continue chatting, they can chat all they want, but their messages will not appear to literally anyone. There are some exceptions to this. If I were to say, go ahead and let's, let's say I had a little brother in the same building as me. And, and they went ahead and called me a stinky duty head inside my own stream. And then I banned them not knowing it was my little brother. Well, I've just been IP shadow banned. I can't talk in my own chat, right? Wrong. I can still talk in my own chat under my own account name. If I were to sign into an alternate name, then that couldn't chat. But no matter what the streamer can chat inside their own chat, they cannot shadow ban themselves. And yes, it is based on IP. We did successfully test this using a phone, switching between the actual Wi-Fi and its own cellular connection to see what is and isn't visible. Chat says there's an issue with this. In Germany, people on on mobile use more more than 1,000 people share the same IP on mobile. Now, keep in mind, my testing is not definitive. All we did was to see... is how was the who could chat, who couldn't, and all of that sort of jazz, as well as try to create new accounts and see if the shadow ban persisted on that after we discovered the shadow ban existed in the first place, which was by complete accident. There might be other factors built into that Like, I don't know uh, if on mobile in, say, Germany, they say thousands of people use the same IP address. I don't know if how that particular system, if that everyone shares the exact same IP address, or there's like a sub indicator built into that sort of thing that might help ID one person from another. I don't know. This is just something we noticed when we did our testing live on the stream on Wednesday. And that by far is a much more 
interesting change that Twitch is actually very silent about than anything else. Is it foolproof? No. You can spoof an IP. And as chats, what about a MAC address? Eh. It's hard to get that sort of information, and also you can spoof your MAC address as well. Especially in a bot environment when your account is virtual in the first place. And by the way, for the tinfoil hat people that want to find any reason to hate on Twitch, they don't want to do anything about the follow bots and, and, the, and the hate raid bots because they're getting the views and they're selling ads for it. And it's just, just helping, the, helping them. They will like it. The bot attacks are being done through an IRC channel. They don't count as a viewer. They don't count as a view. They don't count as anything other than a line of text. I have tried to explain this over and over and over and over again, but people continue wanting to go and rationalize their own thoughts and fail to listen to logic. This is why I keep saying, if you're going to go ahead and try to find a solution to the problem, understand the problem completely first. There have been some smart streamers too that just assume all of these view bots or all of these hate raid bots count as views and just say, fine, just, just throw an emote only and run ads. You don't gain anything from them being there. Also, a lot of those same people want to try and say that the day off Twitch was the reason these changes went into effect. Also, not wanting to also admit the fact that Twitch saying they're acknowledging the problem and working on it predates the talks about a day off Twitch by a week. Twitch is just slow. But, you know, we have to justify our reason for boycotting somehow, right? Yeah. No, a day off Twitch was pointless from the get-go because their whole point was to bring awareness to the topic, but the topic was already known. But let's actually talk about something that is a raise for concern. After updating pointless settings, but then the biggest changes being made silent, Twitch is now testing two new features. One that I oddly enough cannot find anymore on the Twitch blog is audio only ads. That's right, by enabling this simple feature, you can have your advertisements be audio only to not take away from the action.
thanks, I hate it. That's all I have to say about it. Thanks. I hate it. Now let's talk about something I really hate. The new... Twitch boosting feature. What is Twitch boosting? I also just realized I had my page set to the original boosting stream. Setting in the first place. Long, long ago. In fact, December of last year, Twitch introduced and put into testing a feature called Boost This Stream. Boost This Stream is a community challenge feature that sometimes happens at seemingly random... Don't know when, where viewers can pull their channel points together, and when hit and unlocked, that stream will appear in a promoted section on the front page. I have never seen this challenge appear on any challenge on any channel ever. I have never seen it on my own channel. I have never seen it on the partner channels that I moderate for. I have not seen it on random big streamers that I go in and laugh at occasionally. I have never seen it on any channel ever. Big, small, medium, or otherwise and when i say big i'm talking like eight nine ten k plus never the only one i have ever seen it on was a smaller partner streamer i a smaller partner streamer i know of called solomon He sent out an at everyone saying that he has it. Please come in and go ahead and and help hit the goal. I popped in. I, I couldn't see the community challenge. And also it was like 2 a.m. So I had to go to bed. That's it. Like this feature has just been fictional so with that background and my own personal experience for the boost this channel feature you can imagine how much of a middle finger it looked when twitch decided to test the boost feature that will allow viewers to pay to advertise a streamer The feature that was going to solve discoverability, but was basically a myth. As far as I can see, to every streamer ever. Well, now you can just pay for it. And it's taking every fiber of my being to not swear into this mic. 
And the best part, by the way, the best part is that the cost is a dollar for for 1,000 impressions or $3 for 3,000 impressions, of which... Of which, by the way, the streamer receives 0% of the money. Because, of course, the streamer is being paid with exposure. So this now means that the suggested section and the boosted section of your front page experience you're never going to click any of that. Never. Never, ever, ever, ever. You want to know why? Because before where the suggested section, although not perfect, at least sometimes showed streams that you actually had a chance to be interested in. Granted, for, in my case, it's a very flawed curated system since most of the channels that were in the suggested section for me were streamers I already followed. In fact, if I look at my recommended section right now, I have... I follow that person... I actually never followed that person. That actually might be a good recommendation. Um, that's a giant 111,000 view streamer. I'm never going to bother. I've never heard of that game. I've never heard of that game. I would not be interested in that. That person's icon scares me and gives me nightmares. Would never play that. Would never play that. And... uh Yeah, there's another 1,000 plus streamer. Great, great feed, by the way. Great feed. Love it, TM. But of course, now that you've introduced the concept of paying to end up in that section, now it doesn't matter. Any sort of algorithmic curation that happened before is now moot. It's pointless. 
because you have now introduced the concept of buying your way onto the board. That's it. Any chance of decent discoverability through your algorithm is now dead. And I'll say this right now. This adds quite a bit more concern as a streamer looking at Twitch. And I have to ask, what is going on? Twitch dicks around for almost two months, unable to solve a problem that we have solved 20 years ago. Over and over and over again, Twitch continues to try and find new new ways to monetize Twitch, despite the fact that by the structure of Twitch, it takes probably some of the biggest cuts in the streaming industry right now. But they're looking for more. They continue to want to push ads to try and get more revenue that way without giving any compelling reason for streamers to run ads. There is no monetary benefit to a streamer to run ads. Still. Tools that were successful in running ads, like bits for ads, have been removed. And in the end, more and more streamers Granted, right now, they are leaving because YouTube scored some big contracts and people are playing follow the leader with Tim the Tapman and Dr. Lupo. But you're losing content creators. And then you release this. A horrible, desperate attempt to earn more money shamelessly. This is the equivalent of selling in-game gold in, like, World of Warcraft. It reeks of desperation. When in the end, a platform like Twitch really should not be looking for how do I make a quick buck now? They should be looking at Other platforms like YouTube are trying to overtake us. How do we beat YouTube? Because once we do that, then the numbers will grow and then we'll rake in more money. Rather than trying to squeeze a bit more money out of your current content providers, your content creators. And actually, while we're at it, what was the other recent feature we got? Oh, hey, look. Sub goals built into Twitch 
gee, I wonder why you'd give us an easier way to set sub-goals, even though we've had abilities to do that forever. Oh, right, because, you know, you get the biggest money out of subs, you know, being 50%. In fact, here, let me give you some free advice, Twitch. Your ad revenue margins are pitiful. If you want streamers like myself to run ads scheduled throughout our stream, we'll do it. We'll time them perfectly with our breaks. Heck, during recording this podcast, there's plenty of times I quickly just take a break. And just either go get water, use the bathroom, or whatever. You have perfect time to, to quickly throw in an ad or two. No problem. But what's the point if by subjecting to my to, to that sort subjecting my viewers to that sort of thing, the only thing I get out of it is a hay penny. Not even a whole penny. What's the point? There isn't one. The margins are laughable. And in addition, the only other benefit there is is to say, oh, hey, we won't run pre-rolls for 30 minutes. You run five minutes of ads. Oh, so in addition to flip, flipping off my viewers by running ads, you flip me off too. Here's what you should do. One. You have a sponsored content system already built into your platform called Twitch Bounties. Expand it. You want to be able to have streamers be able to earn earn a bit more money? You have a program already in place to try and get streamers to run sponsored content. But it's opened up to like 5% of your partners. And that's it. Why is that not available to more people? Expand it. This is a no-brainer. In addition, TikTok right now is exploding. Underline, exploding. There's concerns that it's going to even overtake YouTube and the number of views it's got. Gee, if only there was some way you could just go ahead and view all kinds of short content on Twitch. Oh, wait, you can? There's clips! You have the clip system already in place! How are you not making a section dedicated exclusively to to clips and then giving us the tools to go ahead and tag our own clips to be more expandable, to get us more exposure through the clips while also giving you an amazing, fantastic way for viewers to go ahead and just 
flick through a whole bunch of great, funny, amazing gaming m moments. And guess what? That's the far better way to inject ads anyway. In pre-rolled planned content. Stop trying to make us go ahead and have freaking ads automatically play in the middle of a boss fight. That's stupid. Oh, but it's okay. It'll be radio, radio style ads where it's audio only. Yeah, that's what I want to do in the middle of taking on freaking Bahamut. Freaking, freaking hear ab about how th this raid kill was brought to you by Bounty. Frick off. You know what the best part is? I'm some dingus in the Midwest and I can figure out how to do your job better than you can. These are two very easy changes you could be doing right now. And be worlds better than freaking microtransactioning discovery. Then you can start looking at things like, oh, hey, what if we go ahead and try to microtransaction this or microtransaction that? Well, someone in chat says that requires work. So does everything else they're doing. But here's the difference. The plan I just laid out actually helps encourage the platform to grow, actually encourages more viewers to flock to Twitch rather than just the only thing being the reason to be on Twitch is the fact it's Twitch. YouTube's gaining, gaining on you, Twitch. And they're gaining fast. The only thing they're lacking right now is the chat experience. And the more and more that Twitch decides to go ahead and make poor life decisions like this and instead focus on things like microtransactions and freaking virtue signaling about diversity, the more someone just trying to make content for fun, like myself or someone who, who more importantly, streams for a living, would like to go and go, you know what? I'm going to go stream on YouTube where it's run by someone that aren't clowns. That's the real danger here. Is the fact that everything Twitch is doing right now is just making the absolute... hot mess that is YouTube streaming actually look compelling. That is the real problem right now. Is the fact that Twitch keeps looking worse and worse and worse 
and YouTube that can't even get out of its own way is looking better. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we have all the Amazon announcements to go, go through, and we are running very short on time. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Amazon has launched New World. And for the most part, I've been kind of just not paying too much attention to New World. Just because I'm already like forehead deep inside Final Fantasy 14. And I cannot take on another MMO in my life. I, I just can't. And then, of course, the rumors of it frying RTX 3090s didn't help anything either. But it launched to over half a million co-current players. But here's the best part. Amazon, in their infinite wisdom, restricted all the servers to a maximum of 2,000 players each. Now, a lot of you aren't sure how many players are on a server at a given time. Because, let's be honest, you log into World of Warcraft or you log into uh, Final Fantasy XIV or, you know, whatever, you normally don't see the player count. In fact, the only MMO I can think of that actually showed the hard numbers of who's on the server at what time without doing things like data mining or typing slash who over and over and over again to try and get a, get a curated list is way back in the era of Ragnarok Online. Their old Chaos and Loki servers would show you how many users are on at a time. By the way, that server from way back in 2003... On average, 3,300 players were on the Chaos server and 2,400 were on the Loki server. And then maybe another 9 to 1,100 on Sacre, depending on what was going... Sacre, by the way, was their beta test server. There'd usually be about another... under, Usually under 1,000 there, too. So only 2,000 users per server on New World just seems... What? Oh, but Eagle, you can't be hard hard on them. They had a huge rush. You're you're playing on You you're playing on Final Fantasy 14. They're having a huge server capacity issue right now too and they just can't get the hardware for it. You have to understand uh someone like Amazon can't get a hold of those kind of servers. They just well with what they had. Amazon owns one of the biggest data centers in the entire world. It's called Amazon Web Services, or AWS. There is no way they have a shortage of servers. There is absolutely no way. And the fact that these servers were restricted to 2,000 each, 
is just stunning. Stunning. The queues to get into these servers were usually over the capacity of the server itself. So you had 2,000 in the game and then another 2,400 on average waiting to get in. Some people had queue pictures going all the way up to 12,000. A few servers got lucky and only had a couple hundred to get in. But you know, you're talking about queue times of half a day, even a day. One person in chat says four days. It would not surprise me at all if the queue time actually for some of these did range that high. It's absurd. Not that it matters. I'd say once your queue time is past about six hours, a solar flare is going to come and disconnect you and ruin your chance to get in and you're going to be starting all over. I would argue after six, if your queue time is six hours or more, it might as well just, it might, the screen might as well just have it in big red letters. No. Instead of the actual queue time. The person says you, they were not kidding. Some people have had a queue time of four days. I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. Oh, and by the way, just, just for bonus points, um, there have been more and more reports of uh, high-end graphic cards being fried by New World. From multiple vendors this time. From Gigabyte, from Zotac, and multiple different models too. 3080s, 3080 Ti's, 3070s, 3090s. I'm not going to lie. Even though there hasn't been a record of uh, anyone frying a, uh, a 1660 or a, or a 1060, um, I don't want to try this game. Because, yeah, I may have a backup GPU in a 780. I don't feel comfortable in the current market of... Uh, getting GPU hardware in putting my computer at risk. One person in chat says uncapped frame rate is, is the issue. So it is, that is a clear problem in the issue, but there are a lot of other games that have uncapped frame rates and is not an issue for. The fact that it's happening only with this game, it kind of does raise an eyebrow. And of course, Amazon, the last time they they talked about that was just saying, it has nothing to do with us, it's your hardware, LOL. It's not raising confidence, you know. And it's kind of bringing up a uh, bit, bit of an issue there, you know? Some concern. 
So enjoy New World, but just be cautioned that, you know, possibly could brick your GPU. If the manufacturer is anyone but Gigabyte, you know, talk with them. You'll probably get your GPU fixed. No problem. Gigabyte right now is just a big, big old question mark for whether you're going to get your stuff back or not because they are just absolutely just falling flat on their face when it comes to repairing their own stuff. And also just be aware that you're probably going to be waiting in queue for 10 years. Meanwhile, Amazon also announced a whole bunch of new devices such as the... What did they call this? They called this the Echo Glow. And then I realized I needed to mute my own Echo Dot as it's now trying to listen for me. The Echo Glow is a teleconferencing device for children. A device that will project an interactive screen on a silicon mat, as well as also have a camera and a screen to teleconference with the parent. Now, I'm not going to lie. I am not a parent. This is probably for the best for the entire world. So, I have a hard time looking at this and finding the exact use case I would use for it because as not a parent, I am, spoiler alert, not a parent. That being said, you know what this comes off to me as? This comes off to me as one of the many devices we are going to be seeing that was developed and made in reaction to the lockdowns that we had during 2020 and will most likely never see another useful use case in the foreseeable future. And by the time that there is a situation that comes up where we see a useful case for this in the foreseeable future, it is an obsolete device. That is my take on this. Chat says, except for the next lockdown. Oh, man. It's going to be hard to say in the next lockdown because, man, there, there is going to be massive underlying massive resistance to any further lockdowns especially when it is hard to look at the lockdown and say it helped it really really is that's just my opinion though Someone in chat says resistance. The alternative is to die. Some people would rather die. You think I'm kidding. But I'm not.
Like, I'm sorry, but when it comes to the fact that it's an airborne disease like this, I don't, I do not believe the lockdowns did squat. Especially since in the end, everyone still ended up interacting with each other, just getting basic supplies and help spreading everything anyway. That was the dumbest part about it. But I digress. We're getting to the whole, we're, we're getting into the whole thing about whether the lockdowns did anything or not. As opposed to this device, which I don't know what the future is for a device like this in a post-COVID world. Lockdown light didn't do squat. We needed hard lockdown, says someone in the chat. Uh, yeah. Good luck trying to do that one. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be far too much resistance to that. Far, far too much. And one, per and you know, you individually might be in favor of something like that. The majority are not. But again, we're getting down that road. And this is a check channel. I'm falling into the same trap as The Verge. Meanwhile, as Amazon tries to create a device where parents can interact with their kids remotely instead of in person, Amazon did introduce something that is much more interesting. Amazon introduced a bigger Echo Show. Specifically, this one is the Echo Show 15. I have somehow triggered the Echo in my bedroom. Anyway. I am actually more interested in this than I should be. The bigger Echo shows seemed kind of dumb to me. Like the little five inches that made sense. It's a, it's a little smart alarm clock, basically. That also did that sort of thing. The bigger ones, they were just too bulky. That's all they were. They were just really, really big, bulky, and took up way too much counter space. This, on the other hand, this 15-inch version is actually wall-mountable. And this, actually, I can see being a purpose in a house that is trying to be a smart home without actually being a smart home. Now, is it a perfect device? No, it has a camera. So already a huge misstep. On top of that, it's a white border and the camera show, shows up as a black dot. So it's unsightly in your attempt to be, you know, an elegant device. 
And you know what this thing needs? As like this this supposed central hub. Th- this kind of central home hub sort of device. First off, no camera. So that there's no risk of it spying. Even though it's already got microphones and it's hooked up to Jeff Bezo- Bezos' earpiece at all times. Always remember that. But the other thing it needed. Dang it, someone in chat beat me to it. E-ink. It needed to be an e-ink display. No burning. Extremely minimal minimal power consumption, especially since it's a device that basically never changes its screen. And only displays static image images that only change like maybe once every 15 minutes. Oh, actually, no, I take that back. It would change information once every minute because it has a clock. That would have been the biggest no-brainer, a color e-ink display. And they do exist. But for whatever reason, Amazon, the f- the freaking pioneer of the ink- e-ink display, just won't put it in there. That makes me wonder whatever happened to e-ink displays in general. By the way, that that 15-inch basically microcomputer is 250 bucks. I'm actually curious how much an e-ink dis- a 15-inch e-ink display would cost. In fact, 15-inch color e-ink display. Holy crap. Whoa. I actually got a hit. Um. Okay, we're going to have to come back to this. Because um, the hits I got were for way, way too big. <laughs> I, I put in 15 inches. I'm getting 15 feet. Okay, yeah, no. Some of these are actually... Ru- no, that's also... Fi- no, that is inches. 800 bucks. That's that's ludicrous. Anyway, we're getting off to off to, off track here. Amazon also announced a smart thermostat, 70 bucks. That's pretty much all there is to it. It's a smart thermostat for seven, for 70 Wait, no. For 70 bucks less than the Nest. God dang it. Oh, I'm sorry, 60 bucks. So actually, that is a very compelling sort of device. 60 bucks for a smart thermostat, that's actually pretty good. Like, not going to lie. That is really, 
million. That's about the cost of like a budget thermostat almost. So in addition to those, there is, of course, also um, Astro. Amazon Astro was quite possibly the device during Amazon's announcement that was the most, wait, what? A roller robot with a LCD screen for a face that, uh, it has a cup holder. It also has a camera and a face. This is, it's basically a, um, it's basically a surveillance drone. It's supposed to, it's supposed to hook up with kind of your ring security system sort of thing, BS and and that sort of thing. But it's, it's just what it is. It's, It's a robo dog, basically, except it's made by Amazon. And also, apparently, it's pretty bad. It has no ability to grab, but it can carry using its one cup holder. So, it could, theoretically, get you a beer with help. But you're still going to have to go up and, uh, and, and reach down, get off the couch, and grab it. But um, it also has no ability to really detect stairs... And will pretty much inevitably fall down the stairs, break itself, and become e-waste. Yeah, uh, wake me when this robot catches up with, uh... (laughs) When it catches up with a Roomba and its ability to track... It's cute. It's interesting. It is a fascinating concept, but it's got a long way to go. That being said, we do have an update on the always home cam, a quadcopter flying drone that when your ring alarm system is armed will make paces around the home or whenever certain devices are, or whenever certain situations are triggered, such as a motion sensor Within, within the home or when a door is opened while the, while the alarm is set or just however you program it and take footage. This isn't news. We heard about this last year. Yeah, well, now it's closer to being launched and you can now actually get an invitation for it. Zone in chat asking you shoot it instead. I mean, you could. You could also hear me out. Just don't use it. Its whole point is, I mean, it's not a very sophisticated drone. It's only going to be usable indoors. It is not going to... Oh, having the... Ro- oh, having the robot actually fire a laser... No. The robot is, the, the drone is incapable of carrying any kind of firearm or laser. We are not to the point of having 
Oh wait, no, we actually already did have a dr drone with like a Glock or something, didn't we? I think that was a thing. I think there might be a legal problem with uh, Amazon selling a security drone that shoots lasers. Real talk though, this is still, I talked about this last year as someone who actually has a business getting one of these to make its paces rather than getting like a dozen or two security cameras for the entire complex at night and instead do like a hybrid system, have like one security camera point at your front door, one security camera point at your loading dock, one security camera point at your vault, and then the rest of the place being triggered by motion sensors and a couple of these drones. It's actually not that bad an idea. And I actually am very curious about this working. It's just a shame that it's powered by Amazon, which has some security concerns. We're running out of time. So let's just quickly get through this. Intel is, is rolling out neuromorphic chips that are built on an four nanometer process that Intel is just calling Intel four. So that when it turns out, this is also 13 nanometer you know, they can say, but we didn't say it was 14 nanometer. All right. Jo joking aside, it is intended to be a AI chip used for scientific research. Do not expect this four nanometer chip to be in your gaming rig anytime soon. But it is a sign that Intel finally figured out how to, how to count past 14, we think. The USB, the, God, I forgot what the actual, is it just called the USB-C group? The group responsible for the USB-C protocol is introducing new logos to try and help simplify confusion because calling things USB 3.1.2, guess what? Everyone disliked that. Literally everyone disliked that. There's now going to be dedicated logos for whether the whether it is USB 4 gigabits per second certified at, or whether the USB-C connection is rated for up to 240 watts of charging or both. Both is good. So this is this is supposed to help clear things up, and I, for one, am in favor of this. Someone in chat asks, will this be EU regulation friendly? No, because nothing is ever EU regulation friendly. Kind of like how I'm not friendly to Bloomberg for once again insisting that the Switch Pro is real. I'm, they're, they're telling us. We totally heard for totally realsies, the 4K capable Switch Pro is totally real. You gotta believe us this time. Oh my God, that thing that we really, really want to exist is totally, totally real this time. Totally. Uh, by the way, um, after Bloomberg put that out, uh, Nintendo said, please, please stop being stupid. We are not working on a 4K Switch Pro. We have never been working on a 4K Switch Pro. Stop saying these things. You're being stupid. Okay, what Nintendo actually said is, quote, that the reporting is inaccurate 
and that no part of this report is correct. Period. And that there is, in fact, not a 4K developer kit from Nintendo. I'm sorry. Zynga, a a developer for Nintendo, says that they have never received a 4K developer kit from Nintendo. But that's not stopping the Bloomberg and the Verge from saying that that doesn't mean the dream's completely dead. No, sorry. <laughs> we, we, we could see it down the road. All right. Let me be clear about something. When has Nintendo ever cared about performance? Literally only one time. There's only been one time in the history of Nintendo that they ever released a console and boasted its performance once you know what that console was the nintendo 64 that's it this is the only time They have ever cared and announced a major leap forward in technological performance. Because other than that, you know what Nintendo cares about more than anything? Content. That's it. That's been their primary focus since always. And guess what? They're right. You want to know why more people want a PlayStation 5 than an Xbox? Because the PlayStation 5 has unique games and games that are exclusive to the PlayStation. You want to know why people keep buying a a Nintendo Switch rather than a PlayStation other than the fact that PlayStation 5s are a myth? Is because the Nintendo Switch will be the only way you can play Metroid Dread. It's going to be the only way you can play Animal Crossing. It's going to be the only way you can, pl- you can play... F- pick a game. Nintendo has always focused on their internal properties. That has always been their primary focus. And heck, when it comes to the Switch for that fact... Performance was clearly an afterthought because even on their high performance games like, say, Breath of the Wild, you do get some big frame drops in certain scenarios. It's not to the point of being, whoa, I think this, this is unplayable, but it's noticeable. You'll see the game drop from 30 FPS to 15. You'll notice it. You'll feel it. So to say that Nintendo has to release a 4K Nintendo Switch, and I feel bad. I feel bad for myself 
because I got suckered into the into the rumors before because they did produce something that was feasible that the console would render at 720p and use a more updated version of Nvidia's SoC to use DLSS to upscale to 4K. And I got suckered into believing that. And in hindsight, I was a moron for believing it. Because it didn't make sense. How could you upscale it that much? And then on top of that, that means that the SOC would be on a new architecture, which means every single game that was made for the Switch would most likely not perform anywhere near as well, if at all, on that updated SOC. And I feel like an idiot still to this day for not realizing that obvious truth. But you know what? I'm willing to get on a microphone and say I was wrong and I should have known better. And this is why I was wrong. And I am sorry for believing these, this load of BS. And I am just one guy with a decent microphone. So what's your excuse, Bloomberg? Come on! Why? Why are you doubling down on this nonsense? Get a grip! Kind of like, uh... Actually, you know what? I don't have a good, uh segue for this here's a headline that is just really really amusing to me user google says that bing uses that bing users use bing to google for google more than anything else slow freaking clap good job Good job, Bing users. You at least <laughs> you go Bing for Google. Pretty much. Not not Google for Google. <laughs> Honestly, though, there are probably like a metric ton of people who have opened up a tab on, say, Google Chrome. And then you have that search bar, right? That pops up. I can see a ton of people who have gone to that search bar and typed in Google so they can go bring up the Google search page. So they have gone in as Googling for Google. I've probably done that on more than one occasion without realizing it. Even though by just doing it mockingly right now, I accidentally brought Google Translate. This brings us to the last part of the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Samsung wants to copy-paste brains on a neuromorphic chips. That's it. That's the whole story. Samsung wants to literally put your brain on a chip.
insert cyberpunk 2077 meme here. The future is now. Real talk, this is both really cool and also very, 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 very frightening. And I feel a lot safer wishing that I didn't know any of this. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. We already went over time. I apologize to those on the Helium Network that probably lost some of their content, even though you're probably not hearing this right now. I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. But I do encourage you to check out the extra subscriber version. There's going to be a lot on there this time around. Take care. I hope you have a good day. that it's also copy-paste is even more concerning. This means that soon Jeff Bezos can make multiple copies of himself, put them into cyborgs, and take over the world with his very, very strange brand of very Lex Luthor style evil. No, who are we kidding? We're going to do it with something even stupider like PewDiePie or something really crazy like that. Someone in chat says you put them to work in in an Amazon warehouse. You know, the, the only problem with that is that it's a robot. It doesn't tire. Oh, no. It doesn't tire. We're doomed.